Hey guys, welcome back to Flourishing with PTSD, a podcast designed to normalize conversation around mental health struggles, specifically in the context of PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disorder, and just about everything that comes with it. If you are a new listener, welcome to the Flourishing family. If you are a long-time listener, welcome back. It's good to have you. My name is Manda, and I am the host coming to you with my fair share of traumas and countless attempts to overcome obstacles that are involved with living with PTSD. And some of those attempts have been amazingly successful and other attempts are still a work in progress as I strive to achieve them. As usual, this is the part where I tell you that I am not a medical professional. I am not a counselor. I am, however, a survivor of trauma and a graduated psychology student. Again, that does not qualify me in any way to give medical or, for that matter, legal advice. So I'm going to go ahead and put a trigger warning on this episode as we are going to be covering some topics today that, well, are honestly super incredible, but it can be upsetting. So please just take a moment check in with yourself before going on with this episode. There will be mentions and explanations of terminology um, of the brain and the relationships between PTSD and what goes on in different parts of the brain. So I am super excited for today because this episode in particular has been in the works for several months and it is finally here. Today I'm going to be learning alongside you guys uh, about a topic that is just, it's not talked about enough. In fact, it's not talked about hardly at all. Um, It really depends on the sphere that you're in. Um, But we are so fortunate today to be joined by a guest that I met through the Flourishing with PTSD community. Uh, We have worked together on a project or two over the last year or so that we have been connected, and I am so beyond honored to have this guest on the show today. Would you please introduce yourself to us? Hi, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm incredibly excited and honored to be here. Um, my name is Lauren, uh, she, her, hers, and I created and run Me Too Many Voices, also known as the MTMV Community Support Network. Um, it's a support network for survivors and supporters of survivors. Um, we offer, um, community resources, uh, survivor-led peer support, um, virtual events, bridging local and global communities alike. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. I just joined TikTok, though fully. I do not understand anything (laughs) that is happening there. I love your TikToks. Maybe we figure that one out. Uh, But I'm at, uh, you can find me at Me Too Many Voices or under MTMV Community Support Network. Um, I created Me Too Many Voices uh, about two years ago now. Um, I was feeling really alone and scared and confused. And as much as I felt that, I felt certain that there were other people who were feeling maybe similar to I was, just in their own pocket of the world. And we were all just sitting in our isolated, you know, lack community, uh, you know, sitting with our trauma by ourselves. And so I started the page and over the past few years, it's grown more than I could have ever, ever dreamed. And that's very validating and also 
very sobering at the same time, you know, as nice as it was to recognize how many people related to some of the things that I had been experiencing. It, I didn't realize how many, and that in itself is um, kind of just a bit sobering. Um, but I'm glad that we've connected through these online communities and um I, I really believe that you know understanding trauma, dismantling rape myths, and building community are vital for both survivors and their communities uh, to heal and thrive. Yeah. Awesome. I am just so beyond excited to have you on, Lauren. And um, I admire the content that you put out and just the consistency that you really just you give so much and I admire the heck out of you. And like, I almost feel like I have a little bit of um, like, I almost feel a little starstruck, <laughs> like having you on here. <laughs> um, I actually listening you to you do the intro, I had this moment when I was like, it's so nice getting to see your friends in their element. And I had this moment of pride for you listening oh. to you. And it's just thinking about how much you've accomplished and how, I feel like you were one of the first people accounts that I really connected with early on in the journey. And, uh, you know, I feel like we've been friends since and you've been a, honestly a better friend to me than people in my quote unquote real life, you know, oh. and it's one of the things I love about this online community is the people that I've met and you're one of them. And I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I, you make me feel absolutely comfortable, but I'm nervous because I want to do such a good job for you in this podcast. And I love uh, everything you've done and uh, your community. And yay, I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So, and I, I appreciate, again, um, our relationship so much. And um, I have to agree, I think you were also one of the first um, accounts that I really was able to not only get connected with, but just really um, turn to for advice because I created Flourishing with PTSD with my own knowledge and knowing full well that there was so much left to learn um, that I didn't know at all. And I was going into this excited to learn, scared to learn. Um, and I just felt like we were able to meet in a community that is okay with meeting us all where we're at. And um, I feel like we have really created that space and just honored each other where we're at. And I'm just, I feel so fortunate to know you. Same. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about this. I am, uh, I am so excited to learn. I have very minimal knowledge on this and um, just, I'm, I can't wait to hear about this. So today we are going to be talking about trauma memories and particularly how those trauma memories are related to, um, and stored and manifested in the body. So first of all, Lauren, can you tell us what trauma memories are and what does the body have to do with storing of those memories? Yeah, great questions. Um, and I, this is all very complex, you know, our brains, trauma. Uh, so I'm going to, there's always going to be more, uh, more to it. It's very dense. So I um, hope that I'm touching on some of the right things here. Um, but traumatic memories, uh, trauma memories are, they're almost like fragments, uh, you know, memories. Um, and they result from traumatic experiences. 
Um, and that can be when we say traumatic experiences, that can be anything your brain, her body recognizes as a threat. Um, anything that overwhelms your capacity to cope. Um, when our self, our bodies don't have enough resources, internal or external, that's a traumatic event. Um, you know, we initially, now more than ever, we're starting to do more research and understand trauma. I feel like the past, you know, even 20 years is kind of the golden age of uh, trauma research and it continues to grow. Um, initially, I mean, the idea of PTSD, that was only an official diagnosis in the DSM until 1980 which is not that long ago. Before then, um, it was widely just considered that trauma, PTSD could only be from veterans or going to war. Um, you know, then they started realizing sexual assault, uh, abuse, um, you know, car accidents, um, all of this can be trauma, um, traumatic experiences. And these memories, these traumatic memories, allow the past to trespass and invade on the present. Um, your brain recognizes the... <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully we can edit that out. <laughs> I just got nervous and it literally forgot words because right now, again, you know, I get nervous public speaking. So sometimes my brain goes blank. Yeah. Um, but biologi uh, biologically, anytime we feel a threat to our survival, our sense or perceived danger, our brain activates a stress response causing a full body reaction. Um, our The stress response um, is a cascade of events throughout our entire body, uh, releasing morphine, cortisol, adrenaline. Um, our eyes dilate, our breathing shallows, our body prepares to go into the flight or fight response. Um, our amygdala, uh, which is like the smoke detector of our brain, scans for any potential dangers or threats that may come our way. That's with or without trauma. That's what the amygdala does. It's mm -hmm. constantly scanning. But when we experience trauma, uh, the memory is imprinted in the amygdala, which is also part of the limbic system. And the amygdala stores the trauma as sensory fragments. Normal, you know, quote unquote, normal memories, episodic memories are stored in the hippocampus, mm -hmm. a different part of the brain. So it's with traumatic experiences, the memories, these fragments are being stored and lodged in the amygdala, which is always scanning for danger. So when you think about that, hmm, okay, so that smoke detector is always going to be going off because those fragments are, I mean, they're cohabitating, you know, they've moved in. And maybe they're those raccoons kind of living in the <laughs> attic who have moved in and you don't know that there are raccoons there yet. Uh, maybe you hear the scratches once in a while, but there it's impacting the way you view yourself, the way you view the world. And 
because they're so close, is constantly thinking that you're in danger. And those memories are very much imprinted in your brain uh, and your body. Um, The amygdala also stores the trauma as sensory fragments. Um, How our senses were experiencing the trauma at the time of, let's call it the initial event occurring. And um, so rather than storing the memories as a story like uh, episodic memory in the hippocampus, they are stored through fragments of our five senses. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why a certain smell might send you back spiraling into flashbacks, um, a song. I know for me, like I used to be really, really into music. Um, big vinyl person, always going to live shows. I can't listen to music at all, basically, anymore, because I think it's such a sensory overload. And those, you know, trauma fragments, um, I mean, rent free in my brain, <laughs> are um, recognize it, and it overwhelms me. Um, your senses remember, and the amygdala is right there, ready to sound the alarm. Um, This is also why trauma memories, um, you hear that they're not linear and, you know, you remember certain parts of a traumatic event and it's almost, I saw this, uh, someone posted this thing a while back that I saw that I really liked. That's like, it's like writing a whole book on post-it notes and then scattering the post-it notes in a room and then having to find them and put them back together in order, you know, because during trauma, our um, prefrontal cortex goes offline. Mm -hmm. That's the part of our brain that is responsible for our advanced uh, thinking, our decision-making, our rational brain, our impulse control. That all goes offline in order for our limbic system, our survival mode to take over. All of this is happening because our brain and body is trying to protect us. Yeah, and I I relate to that so much when just you talking about how these memories, um, you know, are like they're stored through our senses. And then when we uh, experience those senses in our environment, that triggers the amygdala and we experience those like for people with PTSD, those very intrusive traumatic memories and I know for me a big one is the smell and by extension of that even just seeing it um Carmack's chapstick Carmack's Mm. chapstick it just I can't I cannot do it um and if I if I smell it or even if I see it I can imagine the smell and then it just like my brain just takes me back to a very unpleasant memory and um so yeah that's very that's very interesting to hear uh the science behind that yeah, I, I love understanding trauma, and I think it's so important for us to understand this because it's there's so many light bulb moments. Oh, I'm not crazy. I I'm not alone with this. There is a reason why I drive by this block, or I smell this chapstick, or this cologne, and my body starts shutting down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I I appreciate you like connecting some of those dots because that. Like, yeah, the body, the body does remember. And even if we're not consciously thinking of that, it just gets, as we say, triggered 
by those senses. And then our brain's like, oh yeah, danger. Absolutely. That amygdala, it's always, it's the smoke detector. And it's when you have post-traumatic stress, when you have these symptoms of trauma, um, it's constantly like the smoke alarm's constantly going off, whether it's real or quote unquote perceived danger. Your brain doesn't differentiate between the two. Everything can become danger. Um, and your body remembers even when your brain doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, our brains are beyond complex and work faster than we could ever, like ever even imagine. Like by the time I've even said that, the amount of like bo- automatic body reactions and catalysts is everything that has happened <laughs> before that end of the sentence. Like my bum, can't even think, like can't even process it. Um, but our... It is often to protect ourselves. Um, That's how our brains, that's how our body is built to protect off, to ward off illness, infection, intruders, danger. And our brains can and will do everything it can to try to protect you from danger. And um, my purview talking about trauma, well, all trauma has... I mean, trauma is trauma um, and trauma can also manifest in completely different ways. So not to like pigeonhole in a box (laughs) by saying trauma is trauma, but um, is speaking about uh, sexual assault, sexual violence. And that is a massive, massive trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really scary to think about, but you know, I, I, and I say this as a uh, survivor of sexual assault, um, and other abuse, um, you know, having that power and control taken away from you, it, that's a traumatic experience that your brain will remember that will stay with you, whether you want to or not. Again, unfortunately I have been there and I have thought that I could sweep it under the rug, so to speak. And that, now I'm really determined. I thought that I could outthink it, mm-hmm. that I could bury it. No, for better or worse, <laughs> our body will remember. And even when our brain actively is not, you know, online thinking, okay, this happened. This was a trauma. This is affecting me. Uh, this has changed the core functioning of my brain. Um, I my body is literally in survival mode physically and emotionally. And so our brains will disassociate, try to minimize, rationalize, hide, alter in your brain without even thinking about it, these painful and overwhelming memories because trauma is literally overwhelming. They're overwhelming our capacity to cope. So without even thinking about it, we'll do whatever it takes to survive and there's a lot of mitigating factors on who experiences traumatic events and to what, you know, if they go on to have PTSD or uh, varying symptoms of trauma. And uh, some of them, you know, you know, relationship to the abuser, the amount of support uh, the community had around you, were you believed, were you validated, your childhood experiences, past experiences. Um, chemistry in your brain, all of that happens. It's not a character judgment. And Mm -hmm. that's just, 
It's your body responding. Um, and so we do anything we need to do to survive. And sometimes that is burying these memories. And it doesn't mean that they're not real or it didn't happen. You know, a lot of people later in life will, their brain is like, okay, we're actually uh, going to tell you, remind you of something that you <laughs> have buried for a long time. Um, but our body always knows, you know, maybe, you know, it's always a stomach ache if you see a certain person or the, I hear a lot of people say, for no reason, I just got uh, really sad and emotional, you know, mm. when this happened. It's like, was it for no reason? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, maybe the literal pain in your neck each day. I mean, trauma anniversaries. That's such a big thing. That's literally an anniversary of your body. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, remembering the trauma. You know, there's a lot of people who didn't, won't even connect, uh, you know, a certain date or a time until maybe later. And they'll be like, oh, that's why every day this year, like I get sick or I, I can't get out of bed there'll be a mo like their body starts shutting down um, or a flu of memories will come up. Uh, you know, planning for trauma anniversaries is, is really big because your body remembers, your body remembers. And that to your brain can mean it's happening all over again. It's trauma is not a one-time event. It's a cascading gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, I know I was sexually assaulted, um, in 2018, I was working on a TV show and I had tried really hard. I felt like I had to tell myself what happened didn't happen. I was doing my best to just get through it. I had to see him all the time. Um, but before the first time I saw him after the assault, I ended up in the emergency room with bad stomach pains. I had, it had been, I think like a week and a half um, since the assault um, and I saw him and I, the week and a half prior, I had not seen him. So I was somewhat more successful of trying to convince myself that what happened didn't happen. And then as soon as I saw him, I mean, I, I remember it. I literally felt like every single organ in my body was shutting down. And I had to walk this like up this really long street in order to get to the van to get uh, away from set. And I felt like everyone was watching me like walk this street. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. And I went back and took a nap. Like I was, I don't know if I've ever been that tired in my entire life. And then the next day that later that night, I started having severe stomach pains and I, you know, showed up for work the next day and I ended up getting sent home or sent to the hospital. And then, you know, the hospitals, you know, undiagnosed stomach pains and I see so clearly now what I did not see then is my body knew you know it saw him and it was like yeah actually that thing that you've been trying to convince yourself didn't happen yeah no that happened and your body is responding and reacting and it's trying to warn you it's trying to protect you um 
And I mean, at the time I was like, why do I have these stomach pains? Why do I feel so stressed and like absolutely like a mess? Why am I spiraling? Right. Well, and it's so scary when you, you know, first of all, you've gone through this thing and then, and then you start spiraling, like you're saying, and maybe you feel a physical manifestation of, you know, of this trauma in one way or another. And not only are you traumatized by that, but then when something happens and you don't know why it's happening, I mean, that's almost like a separate trauma in and of itself. And I remember I, so I pretty actively dissociated, um, when I was encountering my abuse and, um, I remember I, let's see, I can't remember exactly what the cue was. I think it was, I started to like a boy. And so we, like, as we started to, like, develop a relationship and I went and was telling a friend about these feelings, this, like, I don't, like, some kind of sensory thing between me having, like, some kind of relationship with somebody must have triggered, like, that particular pathway in my brain and it all started to come back and then through little things through um you know smelling the chapstick and like someone putting their hand on my leg playfully being more than that to me and you know it just it's mind-boggling truly what the body stores in itself when the brain like you said doesn't remember and that's such a strong protective instinct where that like I had no idea that that was a thing until after it had happened to me and after I got diagnosed with PTSD it just wasn't talked about and that was such a hard time post-trauma trying to wrap your mind around that reality and thinking you're crazy that is such an added trauma you know and I so I totally respect what you're saying and also I just want to say that I'm so sorry that that happened to you um obviously like you know that that was not deserved um but just to validate you and lift you up and I think that you are an you are an incredible human being and um you know I wish all day long that this would never happen but I think that you are so incredibly strong not to invalidate that experience but I just see you as so strong and incredible and powerful and I'm sorry that my dog is barking (laughs) hi pop (laughs) Um, no, thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda. Um, thank you for sharing what you did. Um, it really can make us feel like we're losing our mind. I truly felt like, am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? Like it just, it, none of it made sense to me. And the more I spiraled, I just, I didn't understand what was happening (laughs) and it was just like, Oh my gosh, have I just like snapped? And really what happened is that the executive function of my brain had gone offline and the core functioning was changing and you know, neurobiology and survival mode, my lizard brain had taken over because that's what it does. And, um, it's, it's, I think you know, that's one of the reasons I do what I, the work that I do is because I don't want people, you know, like us and so many others, we're already, as you said, have gone through a trauma and are dealing with enough. And then the, the domino effect of it and feeling, um, not understanding it. It's those light bulb moments 
Oh, so I'm not crazy. It's actually science and pretty much everyone goes through that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I had this moment of like a sick relief. Like I was so relieved as soon as I started to learn these things, I was so relieved that I wasn't crazy. And then I was devastated that I felt it and experienced it that way. And then I was devastated and mad a little bit about how, you know, like this just isn't talked about. Like if I had known some of this stuff, I feel like, first of all, my healing would have been set on course a lot sooner and I would have been met with so much more support and also just, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have felt as crazy as I felt and, um... And the people supporting me wouldn't have viewed me as crazy as they thought I sounded and I looked. And I've been super fortunate to have been met with support, but my anxious brain um, always assumes, you know, and thinks um, ahead of what someone can tell me in terms of support. And I'm always think they're thinking I'm crazy, but um, I have been so incredibly fortunate um, to have the people that I've had. Miss what you deserve. You deserve all the support and care. Everyone does. Um, uh, And I'm glad that you said that because it is important for understanding this information isn't just for like trauma survivors. It should be for everyone. And that's one of the things with, you know, the work that I do for Me Too Many Voices is it needs to be about the community. Mm -hmm. Because if the supporters, the people in the community, your family, friends, don't understand and aren't supportive that's more trauma and it's going to continue to recreate and re-perpetrate those cycles of harm and trauma that were the issue in the quote-unquote first place Mm -hmm. and nobody plans to be a survivor of any kind of trauma nobody plans for it it's scary again once again it's scary but you aren't until you are Mm-hmm. And so we all need that education. Yes. And don't even get me started <laughs> on how just life skills, safe coping skills, grounding exercises, what to do with all of these feelings. Because regardless of whether you identify as being a trauma survivor or having been diagnosed with PTSD or even know what post-traumatic stress is, like regulation, grounding, knowing what to do with all of this distress and support people with that. Like, how is that not like standard education? I just, it, I could, sorry, I, I could hijack this entire <laughs> podcast over that and I shouldn't, but it just baffles me so much. It just, seems so clear I know I've had the same thoughts and you know like as a psychology student I have been fortunate to have such a guided learning in such a good direction for that and I I ask the same question when people ask me about oh what are you learning I'm saying well what I'm learning is amazing and I'm questioning why other people are not required to take this like earlier on because man if I had had coping skills developed back then Oh, you know, developing them in my 20s is a whole lot different. I'm at a different point in development. I'm almost at the end of development, right? Whereas in high school and like 
later childhood, that's such a critical time where if you, if like, I, I can go through all the what ifs all day. Like, what if I was able to cope different then? What if I had done this? And you can't do that to yourself because, you know, but I think about, you know, if I ever have kids, you will be darn sure that my kids are going to be the best, like self-regulating kids out there. <laughs> God willing, you know? I believe it. I believe it. Absolutely. That and consent, consent education. Yes. Start from a young age, you know, uh, self-regulation, safe coping skills, life skills, communication skills, all of that. From a young age, the curriculum just gets more advanced and builds each year. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, so, I have another question. So what kind of effects can we see in someone who is storing trauma in the body? Like what can that look like physically and how might we identify that maybe there are trauma memories being stored in the body? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I also want to preface this by saying that I'm not a doctor. You know, I, I don't diagnose people. I mean, I wouldn't not, I don't necessarily believe in diagnoses in general, mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, people are the, I don't know, I, people are the expert on themselves. You know, I'm a victim advocate and a trauma educator um, and a, a trauma survivor, but based on science, so I don't want to, you know, oversell my qualifications um, or undersell them because, Yes. Uh, um, yes. but yes, um, I mean, honestly, from trauma is a whole body issue, head to toe, inside out, um, from the brain's core functioning, uh, just changing, um, with post-traumatic stress, um, the hippocampus, which is part of our brain, which is the memory and emotion regulation center. That actually shrinks. And that's not something that you're going to notice. Oh, my hippocampus shrunk a little bit today. But that's how, you know, it's all happening. Um, you're the amygdala uh, that uh, the smoke detector always scanning for danger that's constantly on overdrive. Uh, and you could maybe notice that by always being on high alert, uh, extra hypervigilant. Um, or going from that zero to 10 really fast and then maybe back 10 to zero. Um, the prefrontal cortex goes offline. Um, so that's, again, that's the part of your brain that's char in charge of advanced decision-making, impulse control, kind of all the things that actually make us human, you know, human to human, that part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. The wiring in our brain changes. Um, the, every time there's a stress response, um, there are st the stress hormones that are released, it causes inflammation in your body. And normally inflammation is, can be a good thing in the sense that it's a way of your body goes into trying to protect attack mode. And, but with trauma and stress, constantly having all of that inflammation being released and added in your body, the high levels of cortisol, all these other stress hormones, um, creates a lot of inflammation in your body. 
pretty much every ailment out there stems from high levels of inflammation. And so that can lead to health risks such as heart disease, obesity, colds, digestive issues, autoimmune diseases, kidney issues, headaches, cancer, hormonal issues. I mean, honestly, I know that sounds dire. And don't worry, we're going to talk about uh, shortly. <laughs> um, you know, so I know this sounds dire, but hang in there. That's not a life <laughs> sentence, I promise. <laughs> um, but it does. Trauma is a full body issue. It is a health issue. It is a pandemic. I mean, speaking of pandemics, it truly is. Um, it can lead to extreme exhaustion or again, being extra wired on higher alert, both some to often oscillating, uh, difficulty concentrating, focusing, um, behavioral and emotional changes. Again, you know, the core functioning in your brain, literally the part of your brain that is going to make you worry on high alert is having a party in your brain. <laughs> um, trauma also is greatly linked to increased risk of addiction, self-harm, overeating or undereating, um, smoking, unsafe sex, risky behaviors, um, behaviors that will consequently lead to aforementioned and other health risks. Um, oftentimes the the drinking or the doing drugs or risky behaviors is a, it's a symptom of that trauma. And unfortunately, you know, it are the way that we try to do to survive and um, to survive, but sometimes some of those maladaptive ways uh, can have really harmful effects. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, I love talking about that part that, well, I don't love it, but I'm glad that you brought that up of, you know, it trauma, you know, it forces us to have to cope with something that, first of all, we didn't sign up to cope cope with, right? It was something that was not the fault of the victim, but it happened. And now, you know, our entire reality gets changed and now we have to adjust and try and re- gain an understanding of the world that we have never had before and in order to cope with that people do turn to things that lead to addiction or self-harm and overeating or undereating you know like uh we talked i i just talked about this um not last episode but the episode before that about um the comorbidity that can and does happen with PTSD. And for, in my case, you know, I have an eating disorder along with PTSD. And, um, and I just think that we really need to practice compassion as a society and as survivors. Um, you know, we were talking, I can't remember if it was after we started recording or or before, but having compassion for ourselves and really, really trying to be like, you know, I, I'm here for a reason. And right now this is what's getting me through and that's okay. But, uh, you know, we also have to find that pivot point of, okay, now I need to start taking care of my body to take care of my brain, take care of my brain, to take care of my body and really understand the relationship there. Um, because if, you know, as what you're saying is true, you know, if the body can remember something that the brain does not, then, 
what does that say about how we should be taking care of our bodies to take care of our brain? Um, and the other way around. And so I'm just so glad that you brought that up because practicing compassion for ourselves and for other people instead of judging first, um, because you don't know, we don't know someone else's story, right? And if someone saw either of us on the street walking down like to the grocery store or something, chances are they wouldn't guess that we have been through what we have been through on our own individual terms. And um, just practicing compassion and gentle handling and gentle uh, interactions is just something that we're so lacking and I really believe in reviving that any chance I get that's really 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 well said thank you for all of that um and thank you for sharing um I know but being so honest and you know talking about the eating disorder and everything as well um I I've struggled with that in my past as well. Uh, mm-hmm. There have been times uh, where I have definitely drank uh, too much, uh, probably smoked too much weed. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, you know, anything to take that control back or anything to maybe get that night's sleep to try to not have nightmares. Um, but as you said, there's a certain point where it's like, yes, you know, kind of taking your power back and yes, maybe some of those ways did help you survive and they got you where they were. And that's great. But also there's new, healthier ways that you can learn that can and will, uh, actually be more long-term effective, um, and some of these other behaviors. And I say that, and I know it's not nearly that easy, you know, for folks who are listening and, you know, struggling uh, with some of these things. Um, it's know that you're not alone um, and that there is support. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And also thank you for um, sharing that uh, experience of yours as well. I think trying to be as honest as possible. I mean, I'm sure after every podcast episode, I always find myself with like a severe vulnerability hangover. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's so worth it, but I mean, yeah, I, I really do appreciate, um, you being so candid about that. And, um, because I know that someone listening ha- has, or is engaging in that as well to, you know, the nightmares are just awful and, you know, anything to get a good night's sleep is, is worth it, you know, like, because sleep is so critical to our functioning. And, um, and so again, I just have so much appreciation and empathy for that. And, um, yeah, nightmares, like I, I relate to that. (laughs) I relate to that so strongly as well. Um, so thank you for that. And I'm sorry that you relate to it, but thank you. You know, validation. It's always kind of that catch 22. It's like, sorry, you get it. But also, can we be in a club together? (laughs) Exactly. Like, let's, let's start something. Like, let's start a YouTube channel or something and talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And speaking of that, before we move on, I did just want to say other thing, because I know this is something that I've spoken publicly about it. Speaking of vulnerability hangovers, (laughs) Um, but it's, you know, in an effort to kind of dismantle rape mess and maybe make other people who 
who experience this and again feel like they're crazy or it doesn't make sense to them or they've had other people invalidate their experiences uh the idea of after being sexually excited exalted um after experiencing such an sexual assault of any time being um hypersexual and seeking out risk you know having engaging in riskier behaviors or having sex uh, more frequently or sexual behaviors more frequently. Um, yeah, that's really, really common. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really common. It's a way to try to kind of take your control back, return to the scene of the crime with a different result, um, or maybe to numb the pain. There's, you know, so many different reasons. Um, but I just wanted to give the, you know, kind of speak to that. That's something that speaks honest you know since we're we're going all in oh, yeah. that uh was really really hard for me to understand and i don't carry any shame over it um sometimes i wish i had known what i knew now but again you know we never we never do right but for people out there who are going through that or um, have gone through that in the past, know that you're not alone. It doesn't make you a freak. It doesn't mean that you wanted it to happen. Um, you're trying to take control of your body back anyway, you know how. Yeah, it's almost like trying to be, being hypersexual after um, being sexually assaulted is almost like I would imagine, I don't have experience with this, but I can imagine that one possible explanation also is... Um, you know, just trying to cancel out that experience and like replace it with enough good or pleasurable, pleasurable experiences to just like, okay, I've had enough pleasurable experiences that didn't happen. That was not that like, we don't need to remember that anymore. And, um, take, yeah, like you said, take your power back. Um, thank you so much for saying that again, that's another thing that's not talked about hardly ever. And it doesn't make anyone any less of a trauma survivor. Um, you know, it still takes incredible strength to be able to do that. Some people struggle with having sex after being sexually assaulted and other people, like you just said, um, start seeking out a lot of sex to, again, cope and, you know, try and continue on with their lives in the way that they deem is the best. So um, thank you so much for adding that. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have another question. Um, Now that we've kind of talked about, you know, being in that deep, dark hole. Um, let's talk about some some forward thinking a little bit. How can we deal with trauma that is trapped in the body in a healthy way? We just talked about, you know, addiction or maybe some other things that are good for us in the moment to help us survive. But now finding that pivot point, um, do we have to live in a heightened state of anxiety and tension forever or can progress be made? Yes. And this is, I feel like in some ways, the most important question and most important thing to discuss. Um, Because progress progress (laughs) can be made. I'm so excited about talking about this and tripping over my words. Um, But absolutely, progress can be made. This is not a life sentence. I'm not saying that you're magically going to forget these traumatic experiences and is there if they're erased from your brain and that the things that you've lost and the way your life has changed. No, but you're not going to be in this heightened, uh, you know, PTSD, uh, 
you know, ridden south forever. There will be safety and peace and comfort uh, ahead. Um, and when we talk about trauma, it's just as important to talk about resilience. Um, and before I go any further, I just want to say to everyone that whatever trauma you have been through, um, you know, just there's that old, you know, it, kind of cliched adage of the a trauma makes you stronger, a trauma makes you resilient. And I want to say, dear, dear trauma survivors, no, you have always been resilient. You've always had that resilience and strength. And unfortunately, the trauma you experienced made you be more resilient and have to be more resilient, brave, stronger than that you should have ever had to be. But you had that in you all along. You're just seeing it more because you you really had to. Um, so I just want to say that. And that, well, I'm going to say more too. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that was good. Um, I mean that. I mean that like so sincerely. You all were already the butterflies. Um, and as many different ways as we can experience trauma and as many different ways as trauma can manifest these symptoms in our bodies uh, and around us, um, we can also heal from trauma. Um, again, not going to say that is easy, but there are ways. Um, neuroplasticity, I can never say this word, so bear with me. Neuroplasticity, also known as Neuroplasticity, our brain ah, see, there it goes. Our brain plasticity is the ability of neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization, meaning we can rewire our brains for new and healthier connections. Yeah, and what's that saying? Have you heard that saying that um, like neurons that fire together wire together? So like practicing those Absolutely. associations will like you'll rewire your brain that way. So yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um, I love that you thought of that quote. I was actually going to share that. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry to steal uh, your thunder. <laughs> no, no, I love it because it's absolutely right. Uh, it's absolutely right. I think it's Albert Hebb who said that. Yeah. Um, and the, I'll go into a little bit, a little bit more, because uh, the neural pathways, all of these things that again are happening in our brain, in our brain, so so fast, uh, are neurons firing, and these neurons create neural pathways, neural networks. And when we experience a trauma or any experience, these neurons are wired together in a certain way, um, and so. In context of a traumatic experience, if you have a similar experience or feel a certain way, your brain is like, oh, this is that. And it fires those neurons together because they're wired together. Mm -hmm. And so part of the resolving trauma work is rewiring the brain and overriding that with new, safer, healthier connections. So you know, maybe you see a red shirt or, you know, smell chapstick or, uh, you know, hear a certain song that it's not, you know, what kind of DEFCON 1 happening uh, that it's, and I'm not saying it may have, not have a zero effect, but your brain recognizes it and has rewritten it. Mm -hmm. um, 
I I love that. I love that. <laughs> Me um, too. Uh, Judith Herman, who wrote uh, one of my favorite books, uh, I talk about it a lot, uh, Trauma and Recovery. Um, and in her book, she talks about the three stages of trauma recovery being safety, um, this regaining and restoring a sense of safety within yourself um, and also the world around you. Uh, the second stage being mourning and remembrance. You know, we need to grieve. It's okay to grieve. Um, and reconnection, again, with ourselves and the outer world. We cannot heal in isolation. We need to be heard. Um, and for folks out there, maybe hearing that and saying, I don't have anybody. I hear you. I do. And I, I know that it would be, I would never want to minimize anybody's experience by saying, uh, oh, no, there are people out there. Um, there are real, very realistic challenges to truly trauma-informed support. Um, and if I can help in any way, uh, just know that you can always reach out to me. Um, but there are people out there who care. It may be hard to find them. Um, you know, man's is one of them. I'm one of mm -hmm. them. There are others, um, regaining a sense of control, stability, predictability, all helps, um, even in it, you know, building schedules. I see you getting excited. Do you like schedules? <laughs> I love schedules. I love my routine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like it makes you feel more in control and just a sense of balance? Yeah, and not only that, but like, you know, part of, I think part of my struggle with PTSD, and I've never been clinically diagnosed with this part, but um, like it definitely like bogs me down a little bit, makes me feel sluggish and like a little more depressed at certain points. And so when I have my routine and I can fill it in with my to-do list and I can cross off those things on the to-do list, it just it makes me feel like, okay, like I crossed something off the list today. I can physically see that I'm crossing it off. I feel good about that. And that kind of revives me a little bit, you know? Absolutely. The doing something, the taking action is, is really rewarding. Yes. Um, uh, let's see what else helps, uh, cuddling with pets, um, uh, mindfulness, yoga, boxing, exercise of any kind, truly, uh, especially boxing um, and yoga because of the mindfulness element, um, compassionate self-talk, uh, salt baths, um, EMDR, um, neurofeedback, uh, talk therapy, mm. and things like DBT, CPT, to a point, um, you know, that might be another topic for another podcast, but again, because of the way trauma is stored in a different part of our brain, traditional talk therapy, we need to rewire the brain. You can't talk your way out of trauma. Yes. Right. as feeling supported and heard. Absolutely important. And part of it, um, a couple of other things. Uh, the following things I'll say with tra trained professionals, with mm. trained professionals only, but there's been a lot of really good studies about MDMA, psilocybin, um, some different experimental, um, you know, 
drug therapies, um, art therapy, somatic therapy, music therapy, animal therapy. Um, so being connected, being heard, that's ultimately the most important. Um, and remember that none of what you're experiencing, none of the ways that your body remembers, none of the way that your brain remembers is a character judgment or a reflection on you. It's truly biology. We don't choose to experience trauma or any of the symptoms and changes that follow. Yeah, thank you so much for saying all of that. Um, I just, I want to drive home that, yeah, like you mentioned this earlier, there are so many different ways that we experience trauma and there that also means that there are so many ways that we can heal from trauma and I just love how you put that all and that there's absolutely no timeline like we all have our own pace um we are running out of time we have a couple minutes left um what would you say what is one thing you would say what what's one thing that you want people to know about either trauma or healing what is one that Um, there, I, I did not, uh, come up with this, but, um, any way that you respond to trauma is a, uh, normal response, um, to an abnormal situation. I love that. Absolutely. And that's so true. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and experience with us. It has just been such an empowering opportunity to work with you. Like I said, I feel a little starstruck <laughs> and, um, just getting to know you over this last year has taught me so much, um, not only about content, but also just, um, you know, building relationships with other survivors. It's definitely something different from just surface level relationships and you get to practice caring for people in a different way. And I'm just so thankful. Um, and thank you for trusting me and our flourishing with PTSD community. And is this your first, this is your first podcast, correct? Yes. Yes. You did so great. Except for the time when I literally forgot how to say words and just there's like going to be a 30 second of audio of me just like big to your eyes. No. Um, no. But you know what? We got through it together. Together. Thank you for making it a safe space. Yeah. And uh, thank you for being you. I appreciate that so much. Really quick, remind us where we can find you on social media. Yes, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and a TikTok at at me too many voices or you can also search mtmv community support awesome yes and for those of you who are not already following lauren at me too many voices uh, make sure that you tune in because she has a lot of great opportunities like videos and lives with um, a lot of different people with a lot of different backgrounds um, she also is just, she's a victim advocate. She has a lot of knowledge, as you guys have just heard, and um, a lot of great educational content and a lot of great projects that um, you definitely need to tune in for. <laughs> so Lauren, thank you. thank you so much for being here. I hope to have you on for another episode soon. You were a rock star. You always are. And um, I look forward to talking with you soon right back at you thanks for having me absolutely we'll talk to you later everybody bye